a lot of our issues are regional. We also, you know, really need to work with the Republicans in, in this state who are tired of the divisiveness and just want us to calm down and take care of problems, which I would proffer as somebody who ran for Congress last fall are the majority of the Republicans in this state. It is a small minority that is running our state right now. And so somebody who is able to work with our, our colleagues who, who are tired of this, I think, can make a huge difference. It's hard work. It took us 40 years to get here, and we're going to have to work really hard to get back. But our, our rights are getting taken away from us right now. When you see something that is not right, not fair, not just, you have to do something. Welcome to PBN. I am Braden Gall. I'm Jamie Holland. Senator Heidi Campbell is our guest today on the show. Long-form candidate sit-downs continue. Try to get as many of those to you guys as possible before early voting ends, of course, on July 29th and August 3rd is the election. Reminder, of course, all your polling locations are linked in the show notes. Uh, Jamie, we're also going to spend at least an hour today discussing every single word in Jason Aldean's new song. How do you feel about that? I'd never heard of the man until yesterday. That cannot be true. That is 100% true. Now, I have never heard one of his songs... And frankly, do not give a shit about any of his songs. That's not to discount those who are upset about the song. But you you cannot tell me you've never heard of him. Never heard of him. Okay. I don't know if I believe that. Yeah, it's true. What genre does he sing in? I, I would call it pop music or bro country. That's what I would say. I have enjoyed, I don't know anything about the song, but I have enjoyed uh, my favorite musicians' responses to Jason Aldean. It just shows you how <laughs> fucked up our politics is, is that we're, one, you mentioned his name, <laughs> two. Just to piss you off. Two, that, like, is that really what we're fucking talking about? Because my guess is, whatever that song is, and what it's about is getting, making him more money. Yeah, he did not write the song for the record. So uh, anyway, I don't actually care about it. I just wanted to bring it up to piss you off because we did talk a few episodes ago about finding the right noise. Some noise is valuable. Some noise is important. Some people's voices who are creating that noise are, are valuable and important, but much of it is not. And that right there is a topic that I don't care about. The continuation of the hollowing out of our politics. Mm. All right. <laughs> I'm sure Senator Campbell appreciates us discussing Jason Aldean before having a very thoughtful and uh, thorough conversation about what she would do if she was our next mayor. So no more of us talking about bro country. Here was our conversation with Senator Heidi Campbell. Heidi, welcome to the show. We do appreciate you coming in. How are you? Doing great, thanks. Thanks for having me. Super, super uh, relaxed uh, heading into the final stretch here. So we, we again, we really appreciate um, your time this morning. And I, I guess we'll just start with, in general, you got into the race late because of your role, and we'll discuss what why that qualifies you. Uh, but in, in general, what has this 100 days been like for you? And why did you want to be mayor of Nashville? 
Well, the 100 days has been a whirlwind, um, and it seems like a lot longer and a lot shorter than 100 days. Um, Everything since COVID seems kind of like that. But um, in terms of why I got in, so I am very concerned about our relationship with the state. I think that we need somebody who not only understands that dynamic, but also has relationships with people in the legislature to navigate what is an attempted hostile takeover of our city. Um, And I am somebody who's been able to work with our colleagues across the aisle and calm down the conversation. Fact of the matter is, I was 100% a Bob Freeman fan, wanted him to run for this seat and asked him to incessantly. And he decided that he couldn't do it for various reasons. And he asked me to run. And um, and so I thought about it and decided that I'd jump in because I think that, um, you know, we ignore the situation with the state um, to our peril. And so I'm endorsed by him, Bob Free, uh, John Ray Clemens, Bo Mitchell, Sarah Kyle, Gloria Johnson, a lot of people in the legislature because they understand that Nashville's Democratic mayor's seat, which hopefully it will be, I mean, that would be weird if it wasn't, um, is the best place to actually um, actually navigate our complicated relationship with the state. Can you try to explain in a little bit more detail, because Jamie and I discuss this a lot and are big believers in the hollowing out sort of in the middle of, of politics across the board, whether it's the Metro Council or national or, or whatever you look. Uh, can you explain to, to folks those experiences that you've had and kind of give some folks some detail on why that makes you different than every other candidate because you have that experience across the aisle. Right. Yeah. And I'll also say I'm the only one in this race who's been a mayor. And so serving on the regional mayor's caucus is another important experience and set of relationships to have coming into this because a lot of our issues are regional. We also, you know, really need to work with um, the Republicans in, in this state who are tired of the divisiveness and just want us to calm down and take care of problems, which I would proffer as somebody who ran for Congress last fall are the majority of the Republicans in this state. It is a small minority that is running our state right now. And so somebody who is able to work with um, our our colleagues who, who are tired of this, I think, um, can make a huge difference. It's hard work. It's, you know, it's it took us 40 years to get here. And we're going to have to work really hard to, to, to get back. But our our rights are getting taken away from us right now. And so it is serious. We are the tip of the spear for the war on democracy in this country. And we need a mayor that not only understands the municipal issues, which I do having been a mayor, but also understands the context. Well, can the relationship between the city of Nashville and the state get worse? Yes. So uh, tell us more about that. Well, so they have more power than we have. So they can continue to attack all kinds of uh, institutions, especially in terms of inserting um, power over local control issues. And, you know, we saw that this last session when they went after our sports authority, our convention authority, our COB, our, um, our, the size of our council, um, threatened to go after the convention authority, um, threatened to change the names of our streets. They've already changed the names of one of our streets from Second Avenue to Ronald Reagan Way. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, those are- the, the important things. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a there's definitely a tit for tat and purility component to it for sure. But, um, 
you know, it's something that we shouldn't laugh off or ignore right. because it's, it's important. It, when you look at, um, you mentioned previous role in the mayor uh, area in that role. What, what, is, or what are you most proud of in, in terms of what you accomplished, the mayor of O'Kell? And then what do you think you learned that would allow you to grow in, the, in a new role? When I came in, we were we had had our reserves diminished by um, over half, and I um, I got rid of my own salary. We tightened our belts, and I added back our reserves and then some, at a time when our greatest source of revenue, the hall tax, was being phased out. I'm really proud of that. Um, fiscal responsibility is super important to me. I serve on the fiscal review committee in the Senate. Um, my biggest learning experience was um, and. By the way, best place to learn uh, to, to to get your chops in politics ever because it's like a Williamson County School Board meeting every day. I mean, a really good place to learn. Um, <laughs> I uh, I decided that it'd be great if we had a multimodal path down Franklin Pike and that multimodal being offset from the road, um, biking and, and walking path to connect Nashville all the way to Brentwood. Um, and also go up to Radnor so that it would connect the Percy Warner Parks with Radnor. I mean, it would just have made a huge difference in um, in our mobility and walkability and bikeability. And um, so I got a grant. I, I set up a multimodal task force, got a grant for that. Uh, Nora Kern walked by Nashville and a lot of other people were on the on the task force. And I was so excited. And um, yeah, you would have thought that I was killing puppies. I mean, people <laughs> showed up with pitchforks. Oh One woman actually asked me at a meeting if I was a witch. She said, are you a witch? It's like a Monty Python moment. Um, <laughs> but, do, you, do, you, do you float? That's the question. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, but um, that was a really good learning experience for me. What did I learn from that? That, that I had made a huge mistake by not going out in the community first and getting community support for it. And so that, that really uh, changed my perspective on, on how you go about things and team building and community building. It seems like they, one recent issue was they were going to turf a football field or build a football field down there, and everybody starts clutching their pearls. And, oh, my God, that's the end of Oak Hill. The you, Oak Hill Stadium, yes. It's been a big deal, yes. And where is that now? Uh, I, right now it's dead. And um, I, I haven't heard um, about it coming up again, so I think I think that they might have effectively killed that. Um, but full disclosure, that's how I got involved in politics. I mean, I I found out they were going to be cutting down, blasting into one of the Highland Rim Hills, and um, and building a huge shopping mall the size of Cool Springs, and I stopped it. Um, started a little group called Save Oak Hill, which, you know, I was in the music business. This was not my thing, you know, but I, I felt compelled to do that because those hills are, um, you know, an important part of Nashville. Um, so that may seem NIMBY, but it's really not. Um, I was talking to a group of people last night who were pointing out, you know, when we look at this um, downtown tourism area and we we vilify it let's let's keep in mind that it's also creating incredible opportunity for our city and um, and we need to find a way to work with the growth and keep the growth in perspective while we're focusing on Nashvillians first and foremost I think that's really kind of been the problem and the issue and for me, the Highland Rim is non-negotiable. Like, what would New York City be without Central Park? 
I mean, we have to have the Highland Rim. It's an important component of our natural environment, especially when we're dealing with burgeoning climate change issues. Well, Tr- uh, trash. Yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> I, either, I think you had an ad maybe that mentioned pick up the damn trash. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I pay attention to trash issues a lot. Spoke about it in our most recent episode because the council just approved a 433% increase in a contract uh, for the purposes of picking up our residential garbage because our contractor failed, as you know, t- mm-hmm. which was not a surprise to anyone that was paying attention. This that had been going on for years and years and years. And our the trash our city picks up goes to Rutherford County to Middle Point Landfill. Middle Point Landfill is the owners and operators of that are trying to get it expanded neighbors say no uh don't know what's going to happen there but that's and there's another there's a cnd landfill out in bordeaux right now uh their recent request for an expansion was denied by the solid waste board uh it doesn't seem progressive to me uh to send our trash somewhere else and dump on some other community. So what's the solution long-term for the city of Nashville? Because I I see it as a looming crisis for the next mayor to resolve. Yeah, yeah. No, it is a looming crisis. And I served on the Solid Waste Board when we developed the Zero Waste Master Plan. And it would be awesome, of course, if we could be anywhere close to that, but we're not. And so we're actually in a situation where we cannot ignore the fact that we're going to run out of capacity. Um, and we need some kind of intermediary um, opportun- option for that. And uh, O'Brien County has agreed. Um, they, they did vote to actually take our trash. Um, that's something that we can look at. I'm with you 100%. It's not progressive uh, to, to continue um, to dump trash into landfills, especially at the capacity that we're doing it. Um, this uh, city, this state is, is very... Um, behind when it comes to looking at the the cost of trash we don't message the cost of not reusing and reducing first we even think that you know recycling is the answer when you know you and I both know that reduction and reuse is really the most important thing Um, I am running an extended producer responsibility act in the Senate right now um, with the Sierra Club, which I am very hopeful we can we can push through. But I also realize that it's Tennessee. So it's an uphill battle. Um, We have to do everything that we can to to make sure that our community is aware of the cost of trash. Um, When I was a kid growing up in Nashville, there was this ad on TV. It was this old guy driving around in a junker car. He has, he looked awful. And he has a Tennessee trash messing up the highway. And he was throwing crap out of his car. And it was just like, you know, it was an incredibly effective ad because we saw people's littering reduce significantly. I think we really need to look into a, an active marketing campaign to, to get people to realize what the cost of our trash is and get people to understand how important it is that we reduce and reuse and recycle. But then on top of that, we also need to look at really, really ramping up our composting efforts. There is a uh, middle uh, T- Tennessee Solid Waste Authority out uh, near John Toon Airport has a huge um, sorter that they're building right now, the size of a football field. If you haven't been out there to see it, I recommend visiting that is solely for construction waste 
because so much of our construction waste is going into a landfill. So much of that could be reused or recycled. Um, and so they have this massive sorter that is going to really significantly reduce the amount of construction waste that we're putting into landfills. I think that is great. Those are exactly the kinds of solutions we need to be looking at. It, it, those kinds of options, I, it, they take bigger chunks bigger bites at it because while the marketing campaign is good and it works and we all can kind of do our part climate change and you already mentioned it is it's it's international it's federal it's not just here but it's 70 percent by large corporations and big companies and in this case developers so i'm glad to hear you say we we need to address the the biggest polluters rather than you know yes we could all do our part right but it's the bigger polluters that are the real problem. Right. And we also need to support companies who are trying to offset that, like Eastman, which is, I think, the fourth biggest polluter in our state, is trying to offset that. They're they're putting the effort into developing an upcycling um, plant for plastics that will, will turn plastics into buildables in a way that does not negatively impact the environment. It's a technology that um, has been very well vetted. Um, I think that we need to support companies that are trying to do the work of becoming better actors and um and that's that's also a possible um uh stream for our our plastics in middle tennessee well i know generally speaking in the usd your trash collection is included with your property taxes but recently the responsibility for solid waste management has moved from what was then public works and it's now going to the water department and the reason it went to the water department is because the water department's an enterprise fund i.e they get to they get to add a line item to your bill so people in the urban services district are soon going to be having to pay for their garbage collection yeah well and i think it's important that people know that that's happening that's my you know, point is yeah. like, yeah, I don't think anybody knows. Right. So I think that's, you know, the point being looming crisis, like, yeah, and there's going to be outrage. Oh, there's nowhere to take my garbage and I'm paying more for it. Yeah. 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 No. Right. There, I mean. Yeah. There was no question in there, Jamie. Just saying. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I was sitting already thinking I can hear you saying, oh, that's inside baseball, inside baseball, <laughs> no, inside that's baseball, the whole point of the conversation. So whatever, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> no, right. I disagree with you. I, I think you're right. All right. Let's go. Ne- <laughs> let's go. Next crisis. Housing. Housing is. Uh, all hands on deck emergency right now. It's it is um, the emergency that we're dealing with in in Middle Tennessee, where we have people getting priced out of Nashville. And you know when we talk about the unhoused um, or or people who are dealing with ho- uh, housing challenges, it's such a range. I mean we have we have people who are who are homeless all the way to people who can't buy their starter home. So I mean there are different different levels at which we have to approach this one thing I'm talking about that nobody else on this campaign has um, supported is I think we need a new Nashville General Hospital Um, and why is that relative to housing because we have to address the root issue which is the fact that you know a lot of people are experiencing financial distress and this is impacting their mental health and vice versa. Their mental health is affecting their financial distress. We have a lot of people in this community who are struggling. And by some estimates, 20,000 people in this city who are experiencing some kind of housing insecurity. So uh, 
I really believe in a Maslowian approach to things because the opportunity costs that we take on, and I talk about this in the Senate all the time, by not addressing the root issues of things are so great, and it's just not smart, you know. See, expanding Medicaid. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, so, so Nashville General, which is about to lose its lease, um, is looking at possibly um, building a new facility, and I am 100% supportive of that to the point where I actually went to the governor a few weeks ago and asked him for funding for it because, and this is an example of why we need a mayor that has a relationship with the state, because we do not have conversations with the state in Nashville. We do not ask. We are, we are foolish not to go ask when the state is st sitting on hundreds of millions of dollars stuffed into mattresses right now that's our tax dollars that's our money let's let's go make the ask and let's continue to make the ask we are going to get funding for things if we work at it so I, i'm back to housing yeah yeah i can't get off of it Braden. he, he doesn't <laughs> well, like and, talking and, about it all, all, every single episode don't put all, words in my mouth all the time <laughs> So I think, I think the other thing we need to do is a comprehensive, in, from the downbeat, first thing I want to do when I get into office is a comprehensive survey of our public land. Our public lands are so siloed. We have a lot of public land that could be used for affordable housing, but we really haven't done a good job of identifying it because, you know, water um, has, you know, ownership over this section and schools have ownership over this section. We need a comprehensive survey of what's available. Then we also need to look at streamlining our permitting. Now, there are people in this race who will tell you we've already done that. We've already said that you have to um, put things um, at the front of the line if it's for affordable housing and the permitting process, but that's not happening. I have talked to our planning department, and believe me, if that was you know a directive, it's not being acknowledged. It's four to six months to get your building permit issued once your plans are submitted. Right, and sometimes it's longer. In that in the water department. Right, exactly, exactly, and some just really solvable things like the fact that we don't have enough building inspectors you know i mean those kinds of bottlenecks are, are infinitely solvable and not expensive but we need to we need to make sure that we're we're streamlining that so i i want to i want to have a summit when i take office of uh, the planning department um, um, stakeholders and bring them all together so that we can have good clear communication and hopefully increase efficiencies um, and then, you know, we need to certainly look at public-private partnerships and continuing to, to fuel the Barnes Fund um, because it is creating affordable housing, just not nearly fast enough. Um, and I also, of course, support co-ops. And it's an all-hands-on-deck emergency. All of these things need to be done. And, um, you know, I am always a big proponent of looking at other cities to see how they're doing, cities like Atlanta and, and Austin, who are doing a, a good job with it addressing this austin just austin city council just passed a bill last night to allow three units per parcel yeah so in order to uh, in my opinion in order to accomplish a housing solve the housing crisis at any scale we have to reform our zoning code that yeah. 
became law January 1, 1998. Would you support reforming the zoning code? Absolutely. Yeah, we we have to do that. And I actually did look at, at reforming the zoning code in my city in Oak Hill when we were there because we have, you know, big lots that um, in some places 1.25 acres per house. Yeah. Right? Well, actually, it's different sections. So in some sections, it's that. And there's there are other sections that are zoned um, even higher. So, yeah, absolutely. I think we do need to look at that. And also, you know, adaptive zoning. Like, um, there are schools and churches and places like that where we could actually be um, building a component of affordable housing. So it's not just corridors. It's There's other locations that you would look at in terms of density. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. I. I, you know, Nashville, I hope you guys would agree with me, has just been poorly planned. I mean, it's been... I think we can all agree. <laughs> it's been very haphazardly planned. And, um, you know... I, mean, I, I think the architects of the 1998 zoning code achieved exactly what they wanted. And that's put us in the crisis that we're in right now. Yeah. And we have too many exclusionary zoning areas, like right across the street over here, historic Edgefield. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to solve any crisis by building more single family homes. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Yeah. I, I also do. I mean, I will say that I am for historic preservation of, you know, certain sites and things like that, because I think the character of Nashville is important to preserve, but that those aren't mutually exclusive. It's just a matter of good planning. Yeah. And, and I, I, this is more of a comment rather than a question. So oh. I, so I apologize. Oh, oh. <laughs> but, but, oh. <laughs> but isn't it, um, it, it can't be necessarily the, the picking and choosing of what things we save versus where we want to execute density that, that can't be done because of a loud HOA, right? It has to be done with sort of a holistic look at the entire city is what you're saying about yeah. analyzing the entire li- li- space right? we have such incredible resources nashville civic design um historic preservation society um i i talk about this all the time so if you've heard it forgive me but i see the office of the mayor as a venture catalyst to connect opportunity with need to listen to and disseminate the information and, and wisdom that a lot of groups whether it's about housing or equity or you know education uh, have worked so hard on in Nashville, and and I I think we need to use the the um, the expertise of the people who have been doing this work. You got any more housing over there, Jamie? Go ahead, because I've got. I'll, I'll let you transition. That, to well, the housing because the housing ties into the development of the East Bank, which if when when you get into office as mayor, it's it's your job to to manage it. Um, whether you would or would not have voted for the deal is largely irrelevant. Uh, you've got to solve the problem and. You just talked about sort of putting together, um, you, you know, expertise and need, um, development and need, and putting them together. So that's basically what's coming. And as someone who, so that you have a frame of reference on where I stand, would be look, hold my nose, vote for the deal. It's here. I understand why it's good, but let's make sure we do it right. Like we yeah. only get one chance at doing it right. And it's going to be right on the front burner when you get into office. What, how is it that you can execute, shepherd that project with housing in mind, with green space, with connectivity to the neighborhood, with jobs, with transportation? Like, there's a lot that's going to go into that development that's going to benefit certain people. How does it benefit everybody? 
I love your perspective and your take on that. Um, you know, there are some people who have made this campaign about that issue. And that has been an entire year of poking the state in the eye. And, you know, regardless of how you feel about it, I can tell you right now, the state is not going to work with a mayor that has done that. So we really, really need to think about, you know, how, how we're communicating about things, especially when it's not your job as a mayor to complain about what's happened in the past, but to make sure you're getting the best possible deal for people going forward. And, um, and positivity and Nashville-focused um, leadership is exactly what we need in that situation. And we need to make sure that it's going to Nashville businesses, that there's green space there and affordable housing there so that it's livable for Nashvillians and that it's, um, that it's focused on, you know, multimodal connectivity, transit, and a space that makes life better for the people who live here. And, um, and that means making sure that the deals are going to Nashville businesses and not out of, out of town developers and that there is a huge transit component involved. I think um, everybody who's looked at the plan has, has agreed that a route to the airport makes sense um, to get the bachelorettes in and get them out. <laughs> um, and so, um, so I'm, I'm 100% on board with making sure that... Or um, SEC media flax coming to town. <laughs> e- easy, easy. Yes. <laughs> well, so I, am, I, I think that the next mayor has to be a good steward of that to make sure that they're focused um, on, on getting the best deal for Nashvillians. And, and I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm assuming you would say your role in the Senate and relationships and the processes you've been a part of give you a qualification that nobody else has. Yeah, right. I, I, I would say that. And, um, you know, it, inevitably, it's just like everything else about relationships and, and, and networking and communicating. And, um, you know, that's something that um, I've been focused on in all of my service positions as a, as a Nashvilleian. You mentioned transportation. That's another big one. Um, transit, I should say. And it does, it is tied uh, inextricably with, with housing and density. It's tied to the East Bank development. It's, you know, I have a six and a five-year-old daughter that I've said on this show every single episode, I I hope can move around the city when they're 30 years old, however they see fit. I'm on board with the buses as the first step. Um, I'd like to know what you think, what are the next, how does the bus get us to the next step? Because having a more efficient bus route is great. Having dedicated lines is great. And everybody sort of agrees that's the direction we all need to go. I'm on board. How does that get us to the next step? And I don't see it as building to steps. I think you actually, we are so far behind in transit. We are the second most car dependent city in the country. First is Memphis. <laughs> so Tennessee representing. Um, we have to, um, to have a huge, bold vision while we're also working on that. And I'm, so I'm the only person in this race who actually has a, a bigger vision for transit. And what I think we should look at is moving Radnor Yards. Radnor Yards is this big um, train switching facility that's right next to um, Hundred Oaks. It's massive. And TDOT did a study about moving Radnor Radnor Yards 15 years ago um, to 
Wilson County, what that does is it creates a go around for freight so that we can free up our internal train lines in this city to use for transit. CSX is notoriously difficult to deal with. That having been said, they're really sick of pushing their freight through Nashville. And guess <laughs> oh. what? <laughs> guess what? The cost of that plan was one-sixth the cost of the transit referendum that we voted on in 2018. And to get that kind of real estate where we have contiguous real estate that we can use for transit um, any other way would be almost impossible. So I, I am a big supporter of looking at that uh, as a possible plan. You don't have to necessarily have to use it for rail. You could use it for buses or multimodal connectivity, but, you know, maybe rail would make sense. We also have more money coming in from both the state government and the federal government than we've had in our lifetimes for transportation. I serve on the transportation committee. We just voted on that. Um, it's mostly a paving plan. I'm not crazy about that. You can't pave your way out of congestion. That having been said, we do have a lot right now for multimodal connectivity, for fixing our roads, for you know infrastructure support, bridges, things like that. So um, from the downbeat, we need to get a hold of, of, of improving our transit and our environment, our, our, our multimodal connectivity and our environment and our sidewalks and things like that, while we are concurrently looking at a bolder vision. Well, we're going to get a choice lane. Yeah. What a, a toll. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That, what and what that, are choice lanes? So that's, and, and it's only going to be here, right? I'm the only, I'm the only senator that <laughs> voted against it. And that's why I voted against it, because first of all, it's going to be an out of the country, not just out of town um, private company that's going to be controlling it. Secondly, we as Nashvillians are the people that are going to be on the hook for maintaining it for, um, you know, for the problems that arise with it, because it's a lease situation, but we're going to be we're going to be the support system for, you know, everything around it. They will get the profit, the private corporations, um, and the entry points for that, that toll road are going to be outside of Nashville. So we as Nashvillians aren't even going to be able to benefit from the congestion relief component of it. So I, um, I thought it was a bad deal for Nashville. So I'm going to have to drive to Murfreesboro to get on the choice yes. lane? Yeah. Oh, super. <laughs> Tremendous. Right. <laughs> That'll get cars off the road in downtown. That's, a, that's, that's Right. It'll be great for the legislators who are coming in from out of town. Yes. Yes, it will. That's, that's definitely true. <laughs> uh, education. Um, I have two kids in public schools. Uh, you know, I think there's a, there's a safety component that we can get to, um, but it's a huge part of the budget. I think 37-ish percent of the budget, roughly, give or take. Uh, um, accountability, I think, is the big part there. So w w how does how do you create accountability in the mayor's office for a massive chunk of the budget and making sure it's being used correctly and efficiently? One thing we don't talk about enough when we talk about education is um, how much inequity there is in this city with real haves and have-nots, where we have schools in my district, like Glendale, that are phenomenal and do so well because parents put hundreds of thousands of dollars in their own time into it. And then we have schools like Bordeaux where we have single moms working two jobs who can't. They just can't do that. Um, this is such a redlined city and we've had such inequity in our school system for so long. And, you know, the magnet schools probably made that worse. Um, and um, even though 
they're amazing and I love them. And I was, uh, I went to Hemfog. I was in the first class at Hemfog. Um, that having been said, you know, we are not going to be getting money from the state anytime soon to, um, to address that in a real meaningful way. But here is an economical way that we could actually start to triage that inequity. And that is by hiring community school coordinators for the schools that are doing the worst and their, their day job is to build support around that school from the business community, nonprofit, churches in the area. We have really good um, data that shows us that this worked really well when they did it in Knoxville and in H.G. Uh, Hill is a community school here where that's made a big difference because that really kind of um, builds the same kind of support around a school that um, that parents can build when you know they have the resources to do that. Um, I think we should do that focusing on the schools that are struggling the most first and foremost and um, and then you know build from there by working with the state to hopefully try and acquire more funding so that we can we can start to really um, improve our school system. Director of law again, Brayden, sorry. Yeah, you talk about, hey, we got a good good relationship with the state. Well, the next mayor is going to walk into a situation where the director of law has got more lawsuits pending against the state than any mayor's ever walked into in their life. Yeah. I would submit to you, currently, the director of law is running this town. Well. What can you do to get him or her under control? Well, you know, I um, we definitely do have a situation where we have um, we've passed more lawsuits than laws, and in, in terms of how it benefits Nashville, for sure. Um, you know, um, we need to make sure. I personally um, would love to avoid a litigious response to things because it's incredibly expensive. That having been said, these these are probably issues we had to go after that way. I mean, you know, you can see that the FAA certainly agrees with us, for example, that the airport authority is um, is is ours, um, the the official airport authority. <laughs> okay, so, okay, I'm going to jump in. Yeah. <laughs> this might be the craziest situation I've ever seen. Just Wednesday, two boards met at the same time in two different places. The mayor and the law director went, went to the one at the courthouse, but the other board was meeting at the airport. As far as I know, the operating officer, CEO of the airport is not talking to the other board. Yeah. And as a lawyer, I have a hard time processing that until a court says that state law is unconstitutional illegal what have you the state law prevails right in the event of a conflict with a local law or preempts right what the hell's going on how do you solve that problem and does we can't have two boards meeting it's beyond dysfunctional and by the way, I saw people on Twitter saying, hey, I have a third board, you know, <laughs> my, my met today, too. <laughs> Everybody's going to have one. I wonder, um, I wonder who that was. <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> was that you? I was one of the people that said, no, you can't have board number three because I've right. already established that. I, we met this I morning. Read, I read your. <laughs> yes, that was hysterically funny. I read that. 
Yeah, no, it's incredibly dysfunctional, and we do need somebody. I mean, we need somebody in the mayor's office who um, who recognizes that we have to have a very clear order of operations when it comes to those kinds of situations, for sure. Yeah. So uh, safety in general, I, I think, is there are many different perspectives from many different experiences from all different types of people in our community. They see safety in a different way. They experience safety in a different way. Um, and this is not just schools. This is everybody's neighborhood. Um, what is, what would be your plan for keeping our community safe, uh, through the lens of a, a very complex, vision of safety, if that makes sense. The experience of a black person in the city of Nashville is so different from the experience of, uh, of a white person. It just is. And, um, you know, there is so much mistrust for the police. Um, I supported Gideon's Army's violence intervention because of this, because it's very important that we have, we build trust with the community when we're talking about safety. Um, I think that we need to get more police out on the streets interacting with people so that we can actually, um, you know, normalize the relationship there. Um, uh, we are not going to obviously do well if we don't have any kind of a police force. I also think we need to stop asking police to do things that they are not qualified to do, um, like mental health interventions, like social work. Um, you know, like teachers, we are kind of asking our police to do everything. And um, that's just not what they're trained to do. So um, I, I think we need to give love and support to both uh, the police and our community because, um, because we're not going to do well if we continue to fuel mistrust and divisiveness. So that brings up a, another issue. Recently, the General Assembly passed some legislation in the budget, I believe, to provide funding for school resource officers because we have... 70 elementary schools, but we we put our SROs in middle schools and high schools. And recently, Chief Drake said, can't take that grant money because we can't fill those positions. And I'm not a, I don't think somebody with a badge and a gun and a uniform should be in an elementary school. I would prefer to see somebody on the outside of the building trying to keep the bad person from getting in the building and it, you know, it's still stupid that we're having these conversations. It's absurd, but what can be done to secure our elementary schools in light of the threat in the post covenant world that we live in? So this is an example of a split vote I had, cause I actually voted against, um, increasing SROs for your, for your reason. I, d I feel like it's a huge mistake to militarize our society. I mean that where, where is that going? You know, I, and, and also the psych, psychological component of putting our kids through um, through these drills and having, you know, police officers around and metal detectors. I mean, what what is that doing to our kids psychologically? It's just it's 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 horrible to to push in that direction. The second time I voted for it um, was after the Covenant shooting and I voted for it um, because it's we are in a state that is not going to recognize that we need common sense gun regulations anytime soon. We've been going in the other direction, even with this pending session coming up. I do not think that we are going to come out of that session with me. We may come out of there with a toothless ERPO, you know, a red flag log that, that doesn't have any teeth. 
Um, or we might, we, it's Tennessee. We might come out of there actually arming teachers. I mean, that, that is, that is what the Tennessee Firearms Association wants. And they have a lot of power and they're way more powerful than the NRA, by the way. Um, so in terms of school safety, you know, I think we need a mayor that not only understands how important it is that we actually continue to push for common sense gun regulations, but actually talks about it on a regular basis. Look, I mean, almost everything I've been able to get done in the Senate has been not through the regular means of legislation, but through the fourth estate, through, um, you know, talking about it on the media, through going to events, through, you know, using the office as a networking um, foundation to actually get stuff done. The mayor's office in Nashville is a great place to do that and messaging the importance of humans, uh, women's reproductive rights and uh, common sense gun regulations and uh, opposition to the slate of hate um, are all so important for our state going forward because it is really the most powerful democratic position in the state of Tennessee. And it's not okay just to be um, opposed to those things. I think that, that the next mayor needs to use the office to actually message that in, in a meaningful way. Thank you. Brayden? Why do you want the job? Because I'm concerned about the future um, for for my kids and your kids and for all of us, um, and I I believe that I have the skills, the background, the experience, and um, the knowledge to move Nashville forward, um, and and get the best possible results for the people who live here. Somebody recently dropped out of the race. <laughs> Spent two million, and maybe nobody know he dropped into the race. Does it mean anything for the rest of the field? That's an interesting question. I, I've never had time to do it, but I've actually wanted to sit down and do a Venn diagram of how these races cross over, you know, where the circles are cannibalizing each other and stuff. But, um, you know, number one, does anybody really know he dropped out? I mean, it's kind of insider baseball in a way, like, um, you know, his name's still on the ballot. He still had the ads. Um, is it even something that's been disseminated enough that, that it loses him significant numbers of votes? Um, number two, um, I do think that probably if you looked at that Venn diagram, he was picking up a lot of Republican votes. I'm not sure about that, but the polls I look at uh, would corroborate that. Um, I think inevitably he looked at a poll and, and thought that he didn't like the way that looked and, and wanted to go ahead and get out before before the actual vote. Yes. I mean, it, <laughs> there's some could, sound could, logic there by could, this individual. Could have done that a little bit earlier yeah, and not saved, been on the ballot. Saved himself some cash, too. Uh, Heidi, thank you so much for coming in. We really appreciate it. And uh, Thank you. Thank you. We, we appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Thanks. I really enjoyed it. That was Senator Heidi Campbell on what she'll do when she is Nashville's next mayor, should she be Nashville's next mayor. So there you have it. Uh, we do appreciate her coming by and giving us so much of her time. Uh, again, make sure you check out Freddie O'Connell, Matt Wilcher, Jeff Yarborough. Sharon Hurt's going to be out as well this week. So check out all the, the long form sit downs that you can, because I do believe that it's the best possible way to gain as much insight into candidates as possible. While undecided is leading, <laughs> undecided is not going to win. The question is, are those undecideds 
are they convertible or are they going to stay away mm. and not vote? Ooh. Sit out versus convert. Fascinating to watch with less than a week to go before the actual election takes place. Again, uh, emails to your council members are linked in the show notes as well as polling locations and registration to vote, which, of course, you should have already done by now. So now, one thing we hadn't talked about is House District 51. Is that going to help drive the turnout at least as far as East Nashville and Madison is concerned? I assume that it would. Were they already voting or is it going to add to the electorate? I don't know the answer to that. Interesting question for another pod, perhaps. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> he is Jamie Holland. I am Braden Gall. Please follow us on the socials there, Pod Bless Nashville, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.